Hello, hockey fans, and welcome back to the best podcast in junior hockey, youth hockey, collegiate hockey. If there's hockey, and if the Dan K show's talking about it, we're probably the best at doing it. I'm not going to lie. And I'll tell you what, I got a man with me today who's generally the best at what he decides to do. Whether it's golf, whether it's making strange pizzas, or generally speaking, just keeping that hair in fantastic shape. It's Dan K. Dan, welcome to the podcast. Weird that you say pizzas because I'm literally working on a pizza right now. The dough is getting the room temp. This is not a joke at all. It is, it's going to be, I got a white sauce going. I got some frozen basil in there. So I put a little chunks of basil. We're making a little homemade white sauce here. Mixing in, you know this sauce well, a little Santos, a dip of Santos mm-hmm. from, so it's going to be a little bit of a, a spicy Alfredo-ish cream sauce to go onto this thing. Some lemon zest on top, Lucas. And then we're going to go with some mutts and some Swiss. Ooh, I'm going to make my, my homemade Brussels sprouts. And we're going to throw that on there with some red onion and some sautéed shallots. It's going to be a bit of a time, a bit of a time, but no time for pizza talk. Even if we're going to the state with the best pizza on the planet, Connecticut, for this conversation today. There's no time for pizza talk. There's time for trash talk. And more, more importantly, trashers talk. The most watched thing on Netflix right now, this documentary, Lucas, has been unreal. You turn on Netflix. I, I was the first one to watch it, okay? Untold Crime and Penalties is the name of this, is, of this show. If you've not watched it yet, go watch it after we're done here today, after we're done talking to Coach Omicholi. The ups and downs of this thing, man, the stories behind it, Jimmy Galanti, the character this man was, what a story. When, when you turn it on for the first time, I, I know I was in disbelief when I saw Drew Omicholi of the South Shore Kings rocking his SSK guard, home of Wits, home of Wits championship, man, SSK. What do you think of when you turn this thing on? You know, I, I, can, I truly didn't know. You had told me what it was about. I hadn't heard of it before this. But the funny thing is, I was explaining it to another friend of mine from who spent some time in New Haven. Um, and I said, oh, Jimmy Galanti. And she goes, oh, I know that guy. So huh. maybe maybe it's, it's a little bit of regional stuff there. But I had no idea what to expect. I sat down. I watched it. I was, I was absolutely floored by just the whole thing, by just this idea of it's almost like it's almost two separate stories. It's if you, if you look at one story on its own, you're like, Oh, that's, that's a, a a nice story. And if you look at another story, you're like, wow, that is a crazy story. And somehow they're from the same person. And and it's, it's insane. You know, to to have your 17 year old son running a professional hockey organization, you know, bringing in signing Wayne Gretzky's brother with your first deal, going out and eventually getting Mike Rupp from the NHL, a prime Mike Rupp. Not a, not a washed-out Mike Rupp. Not like you see in independent baseball times where a guy might fall through it all and be a Jose Canseco playing for the Newark Bears. This is a prime Mike Rupp. You look at Drew Omacholi, though, and his brother. These two brothers combined for over 150 points on the year. Drew with 89 points. And he was he was the guy who was out there scoring goals. He had a ring of protection. He, uh, We'll talk to him about it must have felt like the safest man on the planet when he took the ice with the Danbury Trashers with that squad. I mean, really, you talk about having protection around you, right? There's there's no better protection than 
than a, a group of guys who are just ready to drop gloves and, and go. Right. And it's sure it's aggressive hockey, but then you look at it, right. And you, you talk about all oh, the team loves to fight. The team loves this and that. And then you look at a, at, at a team that almost won the whole thing. Yep. It's not just a bunch of guys on the ice looking to, to, to beat up each other. You got skill on the ice too. This was a good team that was, was very real to, to the people in that town in Danbury. I mean, these were, this was a, a movement. This was a culture, you know, it's, it's amazing how quickly you could develop that and how lasting that is. Yeah. And it's, and it's amazing because all the, all the seediness behind it, right? All the seediness behind the scenes, all, all of what went on into that mixed with like this family atmosphere that was created on the ice through savagery <laughs> through, yeah, a team, yeah. through a team that was, that was out there and putting on a WWE show it was, as it was put by the Galantes, like each and every time out there on the ice. And, but it created, you could see in the community, this like loving connection to what they were all doing. And it's something I love so much about the sport of hockey that it can grow genuinely and it can grow like this in almost any environment. You could pot it in beautiful soil in your backyard and make a beautiful flower, or you can pot it in the middle of the city streets and it can still grow. And that's what this was. This was that flower that grew out of the cracks of the Bronx, like pavement, man. This is against all odds. This thing grew and existed. And I mean, the story alone, obviously the behind the scenes, right? Those things, you you stay away from that on today's broadcast. It's not a world that, not a world that the guys on the ice had to live in, right? They just lived in in what was going on around them in the locker room and on the ice. But overall, man, to see a story like this, it is one of a kind. It is amazing. It is unbelievable that this all went down. And if you have not watched it yet, you better. And when you do watch it, you probably see a familiar face or two. And one of those familiar faces is the current head coach of the South Shore Kings NCDC team, Drew Omicholi, sitting next to his brother. And I think their their interaction is one of the funniest parts. I mean, they they're they're so good at at you know, just creating a little bit more lighthearted, sharing stories. And, and we got Coach Omacholi to share a few stories with us. So make sure you continue to listen because up next is Coach Omacholi. What if you could naturally improve your sleep and fight snoring just by drinking water? Introducing Remastered Sleep, the first water bottle designed to fight snoring and provide a natural way to better sleep. This is not just an advertisement. This is a personal recommendation. I was part of the study trial and began to feel the benefits in just a few weeks. I continue to use Remastered Sleep to help me get restful sleep even on long road trips. Head to RemasteredSleep.com to find out more information and use the code DANKSHOW10 to get 10% off your purchase. Remastered Sleep, aspiring to make healthy easy. Welcome back, folks. And now it's time for our special guest, maybe potentially the only person in the USPHL with more screen time than Dan K. It's Coach Omicholi. Coach, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. And uh, Dan, I know that you were absolutely fired up as well about having Coach on the podcast because you you rapid fire texted me as soon as you were like, we have to have him on. Oh, the, the moment I saw this documentary, number one, it's it's the it's the number one watched documentary on Netflix right now. It, it's a hockey documentary. It's about the Danbury Trashers. And, and I turned this documentary on not expecting to see the NCDC coach of the year as the, the headline guy. This is the guy who's 
you know, an 89-point getter in this season. This is a guy playing alongside Mike Rupp. This is the team that was put together in Danbury. I'm excited to talk about it, Lucas. I am absolutely fired up right now. Coach, I got to start here. All right, you're number one. We didn't have your brother on today solely so you could get a word in edgewise. I feel like I feel like you and your brother are like me and Lucas. I cut them off all day long. Can you talk a little bit about that day? I think it was what you said, five hours in a cold rink taping there. What's going on there with you and your bro? I mean, that's pretty much a common theme with uh, with us. You know, we uh, we're very close. Uh, we, we were fortunate enough to play one year of college hockey together. And then five years pro, um, but we're uh, till this day, you know, we're we're the, those brothers that could get in an argument over checkers, you know. It's uh, that bond that we have, and and um, almost like twins. He's three and a half years older, but um, being able to finish each other's stories. But in this situation, where we're you know you're trying to get it out, you're freezing. It's been five five and a half hours. Uh, then the bickering started after about two and a half. Right. And, uh, yep. you know, the Netflix guys did a great job of, of really uh, showing uh, what our relationship is like. And, and I think that was something that was so intriguing, both to uh, obviously the people that know us. Um, it, it was it was very clear to them. Uh, but for the people that don't know us, you know, just kind of how our relationship is and, and uh, how we kind of feed off each other, but then can jump uh, jump down each other's throats in, in, in a split second. And, and now, Coach, you look at it, you look at playing professionally, right? You, you look at, you're playing out in Italy. What, what sold you when this Danbury Trashers offer is on the table? What sells you on it? What brings you into the building? I mean, what was that, what was that moment like? I mean, what's going on? You know what? We're, I was actually out in Vegas. Uh, got back from from Italy and, and went out there with uh, a bunch of buddies uh, for a bachelor party and ran into uh, Peter Ferraro, who you know, played in the NHL and, and happened to be teammates with my brother with the, with the province Bruins. So we run into him out of nowhere and we're talking and uh, he says, I, I, I got to I got to get you in touch with this guy in Danbury, Connecticut. You know, there, there's, some, there's some really crazy things happening there and they pay well. And they said, yeah, you know, sure, whatever. And so we got back home and sure enough, Peter got us in touch with uh, AJ and Jimmy Galati. Um, they asked us to come. I, I remember telling my brother, you know, I'm not, I'm not playing there. Um, you know, you know, going back to Europe, we have a good setup there. And we end up going uh, a funny story. We, we, we stay at my buddy's place who is about 30 minutes outside of Danbury. Uh, he came in, he wore a suit. And he came in acting as if he was our agent. And uh, so it was kind of comical going in. And they, they made their first offer. And uh, I said, you know, that's a very generous offer. Uh, Jimmy wasn't there. He was on vacation. And, uh, you know, I said, I, I appreciate the offer. It's generous. But please tell, you know, Mr. Galanti that, um, you know, we're making this in, in, in Europe. And, um, you know, we're going to go back there. And probably within two to three minutes, uh, I was on the phone with Jimmy, uh, which is a very intimidating uh, <laughs> phone conversation, to say the least. Yeah. And uh, yeah, uh, about two minutes after uh, that, I hung up and I looked at my brother. I said, we're we're Danbury Trashers, bud, and told him what the offer was. And he goes, you got to be kidding me. I said, nope. 
so that's uh that's how it all came down or, or came into place and and uh it was a very exciting um surreal crazy i guess year uh, of hockey but it, it it was uh it was a great experience now you you guys are sitting there in danbury right you're you're ready to drop the puck for game one and it and it's played out so well in the netflix documentary right the gloves drop they go jimmy gives a look <laughs> when that happens i mean were you ready for it i mean was that something that was talked about before you guys took the ice is this a john tortorella moment or was this something where you go oh man we're ready to go we're strapped in this is what this team is now well the net the, the netflix really combines two years so we were year two um yeah. both both years were, were you know extremely tough teams talented teams um but yeah i mean that was I remember our first game was in Flint um, and we were on the road. Uh, I think we played Flint and, and, and Port Huron and, and it was right off the opening draw fight. Um, then another fight, then another fight. And then, you know, we played hockey and then those guys would come out of the box, they would fight. And, and it just got to the point where there was a lot of delays. Um, and then we got back home. You know, we're playing our first game in front of the home crowd and forget it. You know, the, where I think we had six or seven uh, fights that were going on. So it's uh, it was a, a massive change of pace from coming from Europe um, and even my, my time in the American League. You know, like it was just the documentary explains it so well. It, it was truly, you know, hockey and WWE collide. And, and that was the outcome. You know, we had probably eight heavyweights, um, which is unheard of, but these guys could play. Um, a guy, uh, Carlisle Lewis, who was our line mate. Um, it, it was a full year of, of basically doing what you wanted to do for my brother uh, and myself. And, and these guys, you know, were, were drooling to, to, you know, for someone to come near us or somebody to, to hit us. So it was, it was a different playing experience. Um, but it, it was one that we we obviously cherished because we were able to flourish uh, with these guys around us. Yeah, and I mean, you you look at the points, eighty nine points in that season there in Danbury. I mean, when when you're going through when you're going through this season, when you're when you're you're living in Danbury in the Danbury area, when you're kind of with the Galanti family, is there any point that that you you kind of look in the mirror and you go like, man, I am this is something that's going to end up on Netflix one day. Like, is there any point where you had that self-realization that this is going to be a huge story or when you're going through, is it just, Hey, this is another odd hockey story in my career. Yeah. I mean, never thought it would, it would turn into what it's turned out to be. Um, you know, when, when they asked us to come in, even after that, you know, they, they explained to us, um, you know, that there was a, you know, a chance that, that Netflix was going to pick this up, you know, and, they had the full production team there um, who obviously did a, a, a wonderful job with, with, with what they did. Um, but no, you know, like you just, there, there's been a lot of teams throughout minor league hockey history, um, you know, dating back to guys like John Brophy um, and, and, and the teams where, you know, that's basically what slap shots about, um, you know, in the old federal league and, and, and uh, all these crazy stories, but um you know, I, I think the, the obviously the intriguing part of it was you have this this man that's tied in with the mafia and then, you know, all these different counts of, of racketeering and everything else that's going on. 
you know, that, that part was, was odd, um, you know, like kind of going through it. Um, cause we were, we were figuring out and, and learning, you know, through media and he would come in and you figured he'd be very, you know, very stressed individual. Uh, and he was cool as a cuke, man. He, he never got rattled with it. He'd be laughing about it. His face would be on the cover of the, of the, the Danbury times. And, um, you know, so all this stuff tied in, uh, now I look back on it and I'm like, yeah, this is a great story, you know, but at the time we were just there to play hockey and that's how he, he controlled, um, you know, our emotions and, and, and he controlled the locker room and, and our mentality by him never getting rattled or act, acting rattled in front of us, you know? So that was really looking back on it, the amount of stress and, and, and everything that he had to be going through was, was, was crazy, but we just didn't see that side of it. Now, having gone through this whole process, I mean, from obviously living it, right? And then, you know, having a, a career after that and, and then being called up for this, this Netflix documentary, has the Netflix part of this process made it more surreal? Has it made it a little bit more normal? I mean, what, what has that, has that had an effect on you? And, and what's it been like to go through this documentary process? You know what? It's been great yeah, because it, it brought back so many memories, you know, of, of uh, and so many stories. And there's, there's probably four or five guys that, that I still remain very close with, um, you know, and we've always talked about stories. And I, I've shared stories with never, never my players, um, but, you know, with, with my friends and family and, and whatnot, um, other teammates when we were playing and, and you always get that sense that people are like, there's no way this was going on. You know, it, it, it wasn't that crazy. Um, so I think it really enlightened a lot of people of, of what we went through. So it, it's, it's been a great experience. I mean, at one point, I think I had like 400 text messages. My Facebook is completely blown up beyond belief. People are asking us to do podcasts left and right. And, and um, you know, so it's, it's, it's really, it's been fun, you know, and it, it's been fun to, to see, um, you know, to see the, the recognition that a kid like AJ, um, who was a super, super kid, you know, and he was a kid, he was still in high school, um, everything that he did and, and for him to get recognition of, of the teams that he built and, and really what they did for the community. And that's something that, um, you know, gets lost obviously with, with Jimmy going, going away for, for, um, you know, what he went away for. Um, a lot of people didn't realize what he did for the community. You know, the fact that he put millions into the arena, um, that is a public ice arena. Um, the, the fact that he uh, built a wing in, in, uh, at a hospital. Um, he built a football stadium for Danbury High. So it was nice, uh, you know, from that standpoint, too, to see, like, listen, this guy, you know, maybe did some, some bad things or, or whatever it may be, but the same time the guy was a great guy you know like and he was very good to us and and he was very good to the community and he brought hockey to a place that you know really didn't exist other than youth hockey before we jump into the uh into the south shore king side of this interview let's talk about uh you know what's the what's the one story that you had in your time in danbury that maybe didn't make the Netflix doc, or maybe it's the one story in, in the doc itself that stands out to you more than anything. When you think about your time 
in Danbury, what is that one tale that you want to tell? You know, I we're probably one of the funniest stories for me, but I don't I don't know if it was so funny. Uh, you know, for for a majority of the guys, um, we're playing at Adirondack, um, who was our rival, and there's a bunch of scraps that already happened. Um, we're down three one after two. So Paul Gillies comes in, uh, and uh, who is our coach? Paul Gillis uh, comes in, and he's just about to talk. And Jimmy comes in, Galati, and he points at myself, my brother, Brad Wingfield, and says, "You guys are okay. Everybody else, if we don't win this game, and I'll keep this PG thirteen for sure." But he said. Uh, 10 of you are gone and everybody in that room knew it. And, and it wasn't that calm. He, uh, it was very intimidating. Um, so at that point, we're, like I said, we were losing three, one, we go out and, and I had had the first goal. Um, I scored the second, uh, my second goal, but three, two with probably like two and a half minutes, three minutes into the game. My brother scores with about eight minutes left in the game. So we're tied three, three. We have a, you know, a ton of life. Uh, and, and I scored a, a maybe with about a minute and 15 left and we hung on, we win the game. I remember going up to the, uh, to the locker room. We had to go with always a long walk up and then upstairs. And I remember guys hugging, the, hugging me and my brother, you know, and, and just this absolute uh, like size of relief. And they, it really hit at that point that, Oh my God, this guy would have actually really did it, you know? And yeah. Jimmy came in and there was a roll of, of cash that he threw in the middle of the floor. And he said, you're lucky, but go out and enjoy it and walked out, you know? And it was just, it was such a surreal moment. And it was just one of those where you were like, this guy really, really means business. But so you know, we, I remember going out after the game and guys still were just like, Thank God. Thank God you guys did what you did. And uh, yeah, we were fortunate enough that we kept that team together uh, by uh, by having some good production that night. But it was, uh, like I said, a funny story for us. But I know for for a bunch of those individuals in that locker room, uh, they were shaken uh, yep. going out for that third. Oh, it's got it's to be insane. And, and you look at it, I mean... Obviously, as we turn into the NCDC side of it, you're you're the reigning NCDC coach of the year. You went out there with Chikara Hanzawa, the artist, as we call them. You had Evan Zari between the nets, the the between the pipes, the netminder of the year. And, and coach, I mean, <laughs> obviously, we're not throwing wads of uh, cash in the middle of the room to motivate these guys. So, how do you motivate these guys as a coach? You know, this team this year that you took over, you guys went from kind of a slow start kind of kind of limping out of the gates to one of the best teams on the planet. I thought you even had a chance at the Deneen this year winning the cup. Can you talk a little bit about how, like what coaching strategy that does Drew Omicholi use? How did you, how did you get to this uh, coach of the year award? Well, I mean, first off there, there were a lot of great candidates for that. And, 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 you know, obviously what Toby did and, and what Kurz did, um, you know, so it was, I, I was just, I, I was happy to be in the mix, uh, with, with the, the, both of the, you know, the two of those, uh, great coaches, but, um, you know, as far as our style, it's, it's, it's really, 
I treat my guys the same way I treat my pros uh, or treated my pros. You know, if I was a head coach in professional hockey for five years, um, you know, so it's it's a very positive mentality. Um, we're more of a hybrid of a Euro, you know European North American style. The way we practice, the way we train, um, you know, the way our guys are working right now. Uh, getting to the rink at 10:30 on the ice, you know, after a dynamic workout and stretch uh, for 15 minutes on the ice for 11:30, and going through a high tempo practice and going over systems and whatnot. Um, then up in the gym at 12:30, uh, getting a really good workout in, um, and then right after that, having a rollout and a stretch. So it's it's that regimen um, that listen, we're going to go to work and we're going to go to work for four or five hours you know, that you come to the arena. Then after that it's your time, you know, and not nitpicking what they're doing or, um, you know, just uh, being all over, you know, guys are going to make mistakes at this level. Um, I'm not a screamer. I think some refs would probably uh, argue that, but with my players, um, you know, it's, it's about positive reinforcement and it's about teaching them the game and, and, and learning from our mistakes and, you know, any, any success for any team, um, it, it's, it's going to come from the players. It's going to come from your leadership. It's going to come from your structure. And I think with guys, uh, you know, the biggest difference last year was we, we had talent. Uh, we were obviously able to, to pick up Hanzawa and Bottrell and some other guys, um, that, that made us immediately better team. Um, but it's about that work ethic. And that's one of the things we having Hanzawa back again this year, um, what our leadership did and, and guys like him with their work ethic, it just created such a buzz. And that's something that, you know, I, I think that a lot of that positive reinforcement from us as a staff um, allows them to go out and enjoy their four to five hours of, of, of sacrifice and training um, and, and just work. Um, and, and that made us better, you know, it, it made us a, a competitor and, and or competitive team. Uh, and then all of a sudden, like you said, we caught fire going 14 and six down there. And even in the playoffs, it was an unbelievable series. Uh, IHC with a great team as well. Uh, coming down to game three, having a lead that we didn't blow uh, really all year. Um, you know, so it's it's one of those games. It's a game of inches, a game of bounces. And, and you know, unfortunately, we didn't come out and, and make that final four. But I really like what we have here. And, and, I, and I think... Uh, you know, we're, we feel confident that we can repeat and even grow on what we what we did last year. So let's talk about this this year's team a little bit. What's the makeup of the team so far? Well, we got you know, some some really solid old ones that we picked up. Um, obviously, Hanzawa returning, um, and, and Timmy Hankey out of Avon, who's a who's an excellent hockey player. Um, picked up two Canadian defensemen that are old ones, Cole Leal. Um, and, and Jackson Wyatt, um, so and, and, and other O1s that we have. Um, then we have a nice, really nice group of O2s. Uh, and then what, what I what I really am enjoying right now is uh, our O3s and O4s, uh, which will make up about six or seven guys in our team. So we were able to take some guys, some of our O4s like Emerson Miller, um, Ursa Marzo, uh, Cochran, guys that were drafted in the OHL. Um, that are that are uh, looking to pursue the NCAA route. Um, for me, that's that's really important of getting guys that those young guys and bringing them in and developing them, you know, to get to the 
get to that next level and they're excellent hockey players. You know, we have a local 04 as well, Pavit Mera, very highly skilled. Uh, again, a guy that's already has, has, excuse me, a lot of D1 uh, looks. So um, goaltending, we got Tristan Messinas, who's six foot four, flat footed, is about six foot six, uh, 215, big, big boy, something that we haven't had in the past. Obviously, we've had Evan, um, who, who was uh, uh, kind of a freak. You know, you, you don't see goaltenders uh, in today's game that are 5'10, 5'11, uh, that are so impactful. Um, and, and we have two goalies right now with Trey Miller and, and, and uh, um, Alexander Rolf that, that, that are phenomenal, phenomenal goaltenders as well. You know, so I just think together um, the guys have been gelling very well. Uh, we still have some, some cuts that we have to make very, very difficult decisions. I think our depth is greater than it was last year, uh, which is tough because, you know, uh, I don't want to take anything away from that team having 20 commits uh, and 10 division one. Uh, but I, I think overall uh, our speed is picked up um, our physicality um, and, and just overall, I, 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 my expectations are very high for this, for this organization right now. Now coach, I mean, you, you've played professionally, you've been in this game for so long, you've coached professionally, this NCDC level, right? The, this, this new, the, the newcomer to the world of junior hockey, to the hockey world. Can, can you talk to us a little bit about the, the style of play, the, the speed of the game? What have you seen from the NCDC and what sold you on taking the helm of the South Shore Kings organization at the NCDC level? Yeah, I mean, I think the number one thing is parity, you know, and, and I, I think that that's the most important part of any league. You know, you don't want blowouts in, 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 in leagues and, and you want every game you know, from top to bottom being a competitive game. And I think that's something that we have, you know, over most teams or sorry, most leagues, um, you know, at the, especially at the junior A tier two level. Um, that's something that was a, very intriguing, you know, and, and overall the speed, you know, and, and uh, the quickness, you know, I think. There's other leagues uh, that go older and, and uh, you know, older typically means a little bit heavier. But with our league, you know, you, you're, you're seeing the development side of it. Yeah, and that that for me is the most important is can you take an 04? Can you take an 03 this year and develop him and, and, and bring him to an, to an NCAA team, you know, where again, you know, comparing it with other leagues, they're waiting for those guys to get commitments and then they want, them, right? So that's something that I think with the overall, with the coaching staffs from top to bottom throughout, um, you know, it's, it, it's a really, a, everybody's been doing a really solid job and the recruiting process, you know, we go before any league. And it's funny because you see other leagues that will wait for us to, to do a lot of recruiting, um, you know, and, and then all of a sudden, you know, three or four guys end, end up from each team on their list right away. Um, and, and, and I think that's a huge, huge part of, of uh, the time and effort that everybody's put in, in into this league. But I think it's only going up. You know, last year was such an eye opener for so many scouts, so many, so many Division One teams, so many great Division Three programs. Um, and it's, it's just a time right now to, you know, not sit back, you know, just kind of more you know, hammer the, hammer the gas at this point. And that's something that we've done. Uh, and, and I know that other programs are doing the same thing. So from a development standpoint, 
Um, I feel if we continue on this path, then we'll take over as the top junior A tier two, a tier two team uh, league, sorry, uh, in, in a very short period of time. Yeah. And you said it best there. You know, it's, it's the thing that I fell in love with, with this USPHL product as a whole is it's the idea of the commitment happens here, right? It's the cradle to college. It's, we want to get you there. It's not, okay, we'll take you when you're ready to go. When you're the, when you're the polished diamond, right? We, we, we don't take that. We're building that polished diamond from, from start to finish. And when you talk about the South Shore Kings organization, when you look at this team, when you look at the ownership there, the great work they're doing out there in Foxborough, I know that, that you know, like Gronk has worked out in that building. Some big time Patriot names have worked out in that building you guys work out in. Can you talk a little bit about the, the Foxborough Sports Center and where you guys call home? Yeah, listen, there, there, there are not many programs from the USHL uh, to BCHL to any other league in the, in the country. And I'll include the O, the dub, the Q um, that has a training facility like we do. Um, it's something that it's a huge selling point uh, with edge performance systems and Brian McDonough, uh, who's been with the new England Patriots for 20 years, his staff um, with, with uh, Owen Campbell and Bailey and, and Mike that are, are working with our guys. Uh, these guys are true professionals. Um, it is a massive, massive, aspect of our of our regimen and, and, and our training uh, um, that allows our guys to, to come in raw and, and young and for some guys a little on the scrawny side to leave in being men you know uh, and listen there's I think right now we have about 28 active NHLers uh, guys like Yandel Coyle Boyle, um, you know, Donato, we have Marshawn and McAvoy that, that are skating at our facility, uh, Pavel Zaka, like these guys are, they're not up and down guys. These guys are NHL superstars, right? And and there's a reason why they continue to train here. The, the number of Patriots uh, that, that come through this facility, we had Mac Jones in here uh, for two weeks before he reported to camp, putting in the time with, with, with Brian. Um, you know, so it's it's second to none with, with, as far as uh, the technological side of it, um, you know, really looking out for the athlete. You know, our guys will be wearing heart monitors. We know what their fatigue level is. Uh, they know when to cut them off, you know, and, and injury prevention, things that we do as far as mobility, mobility and injury prevention days, which we do two to three times a week. Um, you know, all of that tied in with, like I said, the regimen that we have, we have three sheets of ice. Um, you know, we have ice from seven o'clock in the morning till three 30 in the afternoon. So all of that put together, um, you know, it, it's a great recruiting tool for us, but I, the, the most important thing is it's so crucial in that development. And, and, and that's what we've been able to utilize. And, and it's, it's, it's really helped our players out tremendously. Now, coach, this is always my favorite question to ask any of our coaches, any of our owners, any of our GMs that join us on the show. It's it's about the South Shore Kings. I mean, if I'm a if I'm a parent, if I'm if I'm a player sitting at home right now thinking about my next choice in junior hockey, outside of the incredible training facility which we've already laid out, why am I choosing the South Shore Kings, and why am I coming up to play with you guys there at the NCDC level? Well, we battle this all the time. You know, we 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 go through the, these conversations are are, are very frequent, uh, you know, uh, in, in in the off season or throughout the season, but. 
you know, I think the proof is, is where we were last year, you know, uh, when we started and, and the guys that we brought in, uh, we're around 14 guys that did not have commitments that, uh, that are now committed. Um, you know, and, and again, I'll, I'll always go to that development and, and the structure. And, and I think, you know, one of the things that I focused on so much is what I was looking at as far as college athletes, uh, when I was recruiting for pro, um, and even, you know, the guys in the American League and the East Coast League that I was bringing over to Europe is what are these players doing without the puck? You know, how are they in the defensive zone? What are they doing in the neutral zone? Are they properly playing a one two two or one three one, whatever they may be playing? So looking at what the structure is. So I take that information and then with the relationships just with with so many of the Division One coaches, um, you know, feeding off them, talking to them. And then trying to give my players that competitive advantage going out and saying, listen, you know, it, it's very important what you do with the puck, but it's so important as well what you're doing without the puck. So that development side of it, that structure is going to allow that player to get more looks, more checks on, on, on the on the line chart, you know, uh, rather than, you know, turning their back to the play or not back checking hard enough or being lost in the D zone, all those minuses that – at the end, you know, when, when a scout looks down at his paper, they want to see more pluses and minuses or more checks and minuses. So that's what we look at, that development. And, and you know, if, if, if players are committed to coming in and, and having structure, having a proper regimen, then I think we're, we're uh, you know, an excellent choice for them. And that's awesome. And you look at it, I mean, for the folks at home, this is where Wit used to call home back in the day from spitting chiclets. Like I'm waiting for I'm waiting for Coach Omachola to end up on the spitting chiclets. Next thing you know, not a big deal. This guy's getting it done. So your NCDC head coach of the year. This is a South Shore Kings team that has been since I was working in, the, in this league when it when it started off. This has always been one of my favorite teams to watch. And last year was absolutely incredible. The speed, the skill. The, the net minding of Evan Zari from top to bottom. You, you look at Coach Holsky, they, they, the whole crew there in South Shore, absolutely putting it together. I can't wait to see it. We have our way too early predictions coming up on Thursday, folks. And, and there might just be one from Dan Kay about this South Shore team. I've got some good feelings, some good vibes at a South Shore up there in Foxborough. We will be doing our NCDC way too early predictions before that. We get to our parting words. I know Coach Omacholi is a busy Friday ahead of him. Lucas, I know you're busy as well, so we will skip your parting words. Coach, your final words for today's show. Well, no, I just want to thank you guys uh, for, for having, uh, obviously having me on here and, and all the kind words about our organization. Uh, you're, you're spot on with that. You know, Everything starts from the ownership. Um, and we have an unbelievable owner with, with Rich Tuzos and, and – um, you know, so we, I, I thank you for that. Um, and as far as our staff and, and, and everybody that puts so much time into this, everybody working around the facility to, to, to keep what we have here, uh, um, you know, in such great condition and allowing us to do, uh, what we do. So I thank you guys. Um, and, and, uh, I appreciate the conversation. Hey, we had a great time coach. I, I still can't get over the documentary. It is absolutely incredible. If you have not gone yet, go to Netflix. If you don't have the account, you know, find the find the family member who does, who everyone steals the account from. It's Untold Crime and Penalties on Netflix. Absolutely must watch TV. I was enthralled. I was locked in. I was stuck on this thing, man. 
the Galanti family, everything they did from the good to the bad, the, the roller coaster ride that was the Danbury Trashers. Incredible, incredible to watch. Coach Omicholi, our guest, we thank all of our sponsors. We thank Remastered Sleep. That is www.remasteredsleep.com. You can go to checkout, Dan K Show 10 at checkout. Remember, you can fight snoring with just a sip. It's a water bottle, folks. Dan K Show 10, get 10% off. We thank Elite Junior Profiles. That's EliteJRProfiles.com. Take your recruiting profile to the next level. And the USPHL, that's USPHL.com for that as well. And those Tampa Bay Juniors. How about the state of hockey to the state of bliss to the sunshine state? One of the best teams on the planet. One of the growing brands in junior hockey. We thank all of our partners. Coach Omicholi, an absolute, you know, not a big deal. Just 89 points when he was out there in Danbury. A professional on and off the ice. We can't wait to see what South Shore has in store. When Dan Kay's on the mic, it's always Hockey Night.